Hello, and welcome again to the Here and Now podcast. I'm Steve Chevron, Portfolio Manager and Equity Strategist at Federated Investors. Today, I'm joined by Steve DiNicolo, Senior Portfolio Manager. Thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, let's, uh, let's start today uh, with you and your team. You all are bottom-up stock pickers. Uh, what are some of the keys to success in, the, to success in growth investing? Uh, what's the secret sauce? Sure. What, what we think is that a consistent approach to investing is what's really important. Um, typically, what we look for in stocks is accelerating growth on a year-over-year basis. Really focusing on second derivative growth, we think, is very, very important. If you're growing at 30%, it may sound great, but if that 30% is all of a sudden inflecting to 15%, it's not so good. Think about if you just had dinner at the best restaurant in New York last night, and then you went to the 30th best restaurant in New York. Maybe that that meal wouldn't seem as good. It's all about the margin. Right. So it's all about comparative and where you're going from. So when you think about growth investing, look, these stocks are typically not cheap. And we think really, you know, valuation is reflective of the fundamentals. So we remain very, very keen on those fundamentals in that growth rate. If something is at 20% and it continues to grow at 20%, typically that valuation can hold. And so we're very, very focused on that second derivative growth. In addition, look, in, in growth investing, you get exciting companies with very charismatic CEOs and interesting ideas and, and things that blow your mind. You can't believe what they're inventing or bringing to the market. Sounds like you. Right, that, it is. I'm, I'm a very charismatic guy. But if you can't show a clear pathway to free cash flow growth, um, then we're just not going to be interested. And look, that has made us miss a lot of very successful growth stocks. But it's our arbiter of success. And it can't just be a great idea. It needs to generate cash. If you're a pizza place across, I keep focusing on food, maybe because it's around lunchtime. Yeah, but I'm with you. Um, if, if you're just a pizza place down the street and you can generate significant free cash flow, we'd be interested. In fact, speaking of you know, pizza, there's very, very successful global pizza brands that have been an absolute juggernaut of free cash flow growth. And so really we use free cash flow growth as the ultimate litmus test of a successful enterprise. I think that's so important right now. And you know, obviously we look at markets from a different perspective. You, know, you all from the kind of bottoms up perspective, we're very macro and top down. As we look at the equity market, we break it up into three groups, right? The dividend payers and growers, the value cyclicals, and then the growth companies. And what's interesting to us is we think the growth companies, despite having done well, can continue to do well because they're disrupting the business models of so many companies. And because that growth is less economic dependent, we think they could actually be more defensive. And so let, let me segue there for a second yeah, because right. you all have tended to have, you know, you've got a little different view on the economy. You tend to look at companies that, are, that can grow no matter what. Talk about that view. Uh, talk about what you're, what you're looking for there and how, how you find companies that, that don't need the economy to do well necessarily. Right. And, and look, I, I agree with your three different segments of the market and, and, and value cyclicals and dividend payers certainly have their time and place in a diversified portfolio. But you know, there's a clear reason why secular growing companies, and is that what you called your, your third group? I forget. But, yeah. yeah. And that is historically, if you look at environments 
where you have slower absolute growth. I'm not talking about negative growth, but in this one, two, 3% GDP environment, with which we've been in for some time, in that environment, premium high growth companies are, are it's scarce. a supply and demand, yeah, it's exactly. It, it's, it's more scarce. And so in that environment, the market actually values these companies higher. If you look at from 1950 to 2000, where you just had rampant GDP growth, you had brick nations expanding at 10, 12, 15%. In that environment, a rising tide lifts all boats, and that's where you see value cyclicals outperform. We think definitively you're not in that environment right now. Um, the Fed has been trying to create accelerating growth for some time. It, it has not worked. And we think we're going to continue to be in this sort of malaise. And in that malaise, growth companies will be valued higher. Offense will win. I think we agree. And, you know, just taking it in a different uh, lane for a second, it, it's one of the questions we have about U.S. versus international. When you look at the U.S. indices as an example, they're much more growth heavy. You've got a big... Uh, exposure to tech. If you add comm services, internet retail, biotech into that, the United States is a much growthier environment than you have overseas. And it, it begs the question, will the United States outperformance continue? You know, so far we think that's right. Um, and it's it, obviously that's an asset class decision rather than a stock specific, but it's, no, sure. it's a similar logic. And, and uh, you know, clearly, look, if you look at the S&P 500, the Russell 1000 indices, those are, are market cap weighted. And so they're going to be skewed by the FANG stocks, which have been very successful. But it is interesting if you look at the Russell 2000 index, for example, smaller cap and less driven by one or two names, you know, those, those indexes have not eclipsed their highs from August of last year, right? And so yeah. it shows that the volatilities that's out there. And, and I think in general, investors continue to be under-invested in growth stocks. If you look at just the fund flows, the Morningstar fund flows, and growth has outperformed value every single year since 2006, it amazes me that there are still more fund flows into value um, areas of the market as opposed to growth. Yeah, particularly when you have such disruption as part of those and part of those values. Right, systems. we're surrounded by change in our life. Yeah. The the cars we drive, the medicines we take, how we communicate. It's it's you know technology and innovation is around us, and it's really the golden age for innovation. And really, the headquarters are the United States, and and so there's just a ton of opportunities in growth investing right yeah. now. We we do a lot of talking about an industrial revolution and that technology and that disruption, and it, it strikes me that in the growth part of the market, particularly. And I want to segue here as you move down the market cap. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of investors talk about being a little bit nervous about small caps because it's late cycle. You know, we always kind of laugh at that because there's no built-in clock in a small cap company right. that knows that it's late cycle. Right. Um, they've done quite well. Our view on, on the macro side is that they can continue to do quite well, particularly in a low-rate environment because a lot of their debt is variable rate. Um, What's the outlook uh, from a growth perspective as you move down that market cap and get into the small caps? Are, are you feeling as good about that part of the market as you have been? <laughs> you have over-levered companies with private equity sponsors, four or five times levered, growing at one or two percent. And so they could service their debt, but you're not going to get multiple expansion in these names and they just keep getting cheaper. I mean, you're seeing certain small cap value cyclicals trading at six, seven, eight times earnings. And I don't know what are going to drive those stocks higher. Now, on the growth side, if you have a small cap innovative company that can be 
completely removed from a Trump tweet or from a trade war or from interest rate volatility or risk on or risk off markets. All these cliches that you hear in sort of the investing universe, you know, that's where an investor should be focused on. This is a billion dollar company with a clean balance sheet profitable today that is growing 20 or 30%, we think, for the next few years. Typically at Federated, we are longer-term investors. From a quarter to quarter, of course, you're going to get lumpiness or illiquidity or odd capital market transactions. But in general, these small-cap companies are idiosyncratic, um, can be a little bit um, sort of hit or miss in the short term, but, but they are exciting opportunities for somebody who can just think past quarter-to-quarter investing, which is really, you know, you asked me before, well, what's the key to growth investing or successful investing? And, you know, th- there's a lot of different specifics, but one of them is just let time mark. I think the hardest thing for investors is that we are completely engrossed in day-to-day markets. The, the market is up because of this, it is down because of this, and we like to have headlines. But if you're a billion-dollar small-cap healthcare device company that is going to change the way um, we attack diseases, sometimes you just need some months and years to go by, and that's really what creates successful investing. I remember us chatting probably about 10 years ago just about trading during the course of the day mm-hmm. um, and talking about never, you know, not that there aren't exceptions to this, but trying never to trade before 10 a.m. or before 10 11. a.m. 11. 11 now. I, I, have, you, a sticker, I have a sticker yeah. on my desk that says just 11 a.m. and I don't do anything before 11 a.m. A little, little investing secret. And, but talk about that. I mean, it, it's about <laughs> letting, I mean, as I remember, it was about letting, letting the data sit in, not making right. that emotional first move. You get your earnings report in the morning. You have a right. tendency to overact. I think from a from a macro perspective, one of the things that we've been trying to do as we talk to clients is give them that perspective, right? You wake up in the morning, you see the tweet, you see the piece of news, maybe there's a Fed speak, and the market's going some way. Just take a break, look at the data, think longer term, and, and, and make, a, you know, make a better long-term decision. It sounds like that's the same kind of thing you're doing at stock level, is to just try not to overreact to short-term noise. Right. I mean, look, I I think that's what Federated Investors is founded on, is just trading versus investing. And we just live in a fast food nation where everybody wants a headline and everybody wants a reaction. Our president wants a reaction to what he's saying or a trade war or a tweet. And, and, you know, we always need to find a reason for something. We sort of collective Wall Street community and you know, at Federated, it's more about investing for the long term. So, you know, I do that on a micro day-to-day level by just not doing anything before 11 a.m. You come in in the morning, let's say it's 8 a.m., you have five earnings releases and some are good, some are bad. You have the macro news, which moves the futures up or down. You have oil doing this or that and gold doing this or that. It's risk on, it's risk off. And it's very easy to get caught up in that emotion. That emotion typically starts to wane after 11 o'clock. I mean, I don't have a scientific clock for that, but you can just tell. I mean, that first Mm -hmm. move in a stock, I'm amazed at how, you know, I always said if I had the earnings release before the entire market, you know, would I get what that stock was going to do? You know, would I guess right what that stock was going to do in a given day? And I'd be wrong in those first two hours 
most of the time, I, we see good reports and the stock gaps down 15% because you have hedge funds that are That's the majority. Yep. You have hedge funds and ETFs, which are the majority of the liquidity in the market today. And it's funny, in a world where people keep saying more and more there's, it's more efficient and it's harder and harder to be active managers, I think that's completely wrong because on a day-to-day basis, we see more idiosyncratic, incorrect, inefficient moves in stocks than ever before because the liquidity is driven by either a, quote, dumb ETF that isn't thinking fundamentally or a hedge fund that has a, a day-to-day P&L and move. And so in that environment, if you're a long-term investor, it makes fantastic opportunities to take advantage of this volatility. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because in a similar way, we always read economic releases from the original source first, form an opinion, and then see what the market does. And if the market moves in the direction we would have expected, well, then we're consensus and there's nothing to be done. Right. If it moves in the opposite direction, well, now I've got a money-making opportunity right. if I can take the longer-term view. And I think that longer-term view allows us to exploit the short-sightedness of some of these players. You started that, that answer talking about fast food. It's lunchtime. We're both hungry. We're kind of <laughs> going to food. New York. Um, in the food space, we've seen some interesting IPOs this year. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, and you and your team uh, are laser focused in the IPO space, particularly on the, on the, on the kind of smaller cap side, but, but throughout the market cap range. You know, we had a little bit of a delay in the first quarter with the government shutdown on some filings, but then since then, mm-hmm. it's been kind of a gangbuster year for IPOs. Um, what are you seeing? What are the trends? Where are the opportunities? Um, give us an idea of the number of companies that have come out, the number of meetings you've had, what your process is in evaluating those. Right. So it's been a better year. Right. Look, I think year to date, it's, it's certainly a very strong year when it comes to the number of issues, but, and people like to quote that. And it just, I look at it as shots on goal. I mean, just because you have a hundred companies come public, not, doesn't mean that they're going to be good ones. Um, the reality is, is that most IPOs, are companies that you have not heard of, um, are not large ride-sharing type companies or just things that are going to gain headlines. They're, they're 100, 200, $300 million offerings that the majority of Main Street isn't focused on, but, but at Federated, we are quite focused on. And so, look, you know, sometimes the more exciting the IPO that seems on paper, you know, all that glitters is not gold, as they say. Um, so in, in general, brands can become bigger and relevant faster than ever before. If you think about social media, Instagram followers, um, targeted marketing that is more precise than ever before, you can have a very specific company and a very specific niche that historically would not be able to gain the economies of scale. That is completely out the door. Information flies faster than ever before, and companies can scale up. And so where sort of a large retail brand or something that's ubiquitous is not necessarily an exciting investment anymore because, look, we have too many stores. You know, Companies are closing stores. The bigger a brand gets, the less attractive it is because, because now – you know, in today's environment, you can just be more niche than ever. And we're talking if, about your belt yesterday. <laughs> we are. Look, yeah. I, you know, we're not allowed to talk about specific companies, but I recently bought a belt, which is not that exciting. And I don't know how profitable this company is, but all this is a company that all they do is buy belts. And I was targeted on Instagram because I guess I'm in the prime belt buying 
age of my life. If how, that's how, how, do you, how do you go about uh, getting into that? <laughs> I mean, it was a very exciting transaction, but, but it just shows that um, companies can become big and relevant uh, faster than ever before. Anytime you have fast change, where the rules move, where the goalposts move, that creates opportunities for small cap companies and um, subsequently exciting IPOs. And so, you know, there's examples in the grocery um, area. Look, groceries are historically terrible companies, low margin. You're lucky to have 2% EBITDA margins. And there's been successful investments because, um, you know, companies are, are getting bigger and faster and serving more niche environments better than ever before. That'll do it for part one of our discussion. Thank you, Steve, for joining, and thanks to our listeners. Please look out for part two of the discussion, and we look forward to you joining us again on the Federated Here and Now podcast. Views are as of September 6, 2019, and are subject to change based on market conditions and other factors. These views should not be construed as a recommendation for any specific security or sector. Gross domestic product, GDP, is a broad measure of the economy that measures the retail value of goods and services produced in a country. Investing in IPOs involves special risks, such as a limited liquidity and increased volatility. Small company stocks may be less liquid and subject to greater price volatility than large company stocks. Russell 1000 Index. The Russell 1000 Index measures the performance of the large cap segment of the U.S. equity universe. It is a subset of the Russell 3000 Index and includes approximately 1,000 of the largest securities based on a combination of their market cap and current index membership. The Russell 1000 represents approximately 92% of the U.S. market. The Russell 1000 Index is constructed to provide a comprehensive and unbiased barometer for the large cap segment and is completely reconstituted annually to ensure new and growing equities are reflected. Indexes are unmanaged and investments cannot be made in an index. 19-40375-1019 Federated Advisory Services Company.